Welcome to Ill-Equipped History, where two best friends tell you, regale you, a story in history. And I am joined by Morgan, my beautiful, perfect, wonderful co-host. Hello. How are you this week? <laughs> this Monday that we're recording on? This, this Monday. It's been a very um, Monday-y Monday. It has been. Uh, it's been a doozy at work, and it's taken a lot of self-control to not have a glass of wine tonight after my day today, so. That's fair. I applaud you for that. I applaud you for that. <laughs> How are you, um, Emily? Well, uh, Nick normally takes the kids to work, um, but he was running late this morning, so I begrudgingly had to take one of my children to school. You said and I realized Nick takes how the I kids did to work. <laughs> I realized <laughs> He takes him to school on his way to work. So then I, the spoiled princess I am, don't have to leave the house. But I actually had to leave the house this morning. So, of course, I stopped for coffee on my way back. So, like, that that go. evened it out. Uh, but was it nice. foggy where you were? Because, my God, I couldn't see shit this morning. No. Actually, no. it was not. Couldn't see a foot in front of me. It was terrifying. And I have a headlight out still. Oh, no. Because of who I am as a person. <laughs> and then I went through my daughter's clothes. Well, this was before school. I was going for the ballet stuff. And then I realized that three very brightly different colored crayons got washed with a load of laundry. And my clothes were rainbow. <laughs> oh, no. I got it out, though. If anyone needs to know, you can soak them in really, really, really hot water and it loosens up the wax and you can take stain remover stuff and just scrub the shit out of it. But it was like half a load of laundry I had to do that with. So that was. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I saved the ballet outfit. (laughs) I'm very, I'm very proud of you. Good job. Thank you. Mom Supreme. There's my Emily's tip of the day. <laughs> Hot water. Right. <laughs> Some elbow grease. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get into this. Let's, let's get into do it. it. Let's get right into it. Let's do it. We won't bore them with 15 minutes of us chatting this time. <laughs> we're, we're trying to be better, you guys. We are. We are. We are. I promise. Okay. <laughs> It's 1705 in Colchester, Connecticut. Townspeople are gathered around on a crisp November afternoon to hear what the mayor needs to announce. I wonder what the mayor needed to tell us all. I have no idea. Maybe it's about that land debate? Or maybe the petition we signed to lower taxes. Ooh, maybe. But it has to be something important, right? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for gathering here this afternoon for the very important announcement I have. Now, now I'll get right to the point. This weekend is supposed to be our Thanksgiving celebration. But I have been informed that there isn't enough molasses to make pumpkin pies. 
since it would be blasphemy not to have pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving, I have decided to postpone Thanksgiving one week, thus allowing for the molasses to be made. What about the taxes? That was what he needed to say? And the land debate. My family is coming tomorrow. But I've already killed the turkey. Not the pie. This is why your wife's cheating on you. I hate you. This sucks. Boo. Pumpkin pie. I wanted Thanksgiving this weekend. Molasses? I'll show you molasses. Uh, thank you for that heartfelt speech, Morgan. As the You're mayor, welcome. Mayor Morgan. I I followed the notes and direction I was given. <laughs> I am an actress. <laughs> it's called art. <laughs> art. 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 Okay, have you ever heard of that story, Morgan? Just out of curiosity. No, I have not. Um... It is one of the little fun facts, and I'll go ahead and tell you, because that's basically the whole story. I took very much creative liberty on this story, because the only fact I found about it, and it's basically a legend, um, is that in Colchester in 1705, they had a molasses shortage, so they postponed Thanksgiving to give themselves enough time to make pumpkin pies. (laughs) And on a personal note, I support this, because I love the shit out of some pumpkin pies. Me too. Pumpkin pie is one of my favorite things about Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mine too. Just the holidays. Okay. I love pumpkin pie. What is the pumpkin pie to whipped cream ratio that you do? It. I guess it depends on how froggy I'm feeling. Because there's sometimes I'll do like a dollop of whipped cream because I want to, I want the pumpkin experience. Yeah. And then there's times I'm like... I you can't even see the pie. There's so much whipped cream. Okay. So I am a solid. The only thing you see is a layer at the top of whipped cream. I cover the sides, and all you see mm-hmm. is the crust at the back. Yeah. Fight me. Like that's the right <laughs> way to eat it. <laughs> no, I don't disagree. I guess yeah. it depends on how like sweet I want my pie. I totally get that. I totally get that. Basically, growing up, if I could just live off the ham, rolls, and the pumpkin pie, I'd be a, I'd be a happy camper. There you go. So, if y'all haven't figured out, we are talking about Thanksgiving today because today is Thanksgiving! Yay! Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! And we did that without any prompting or signals. We just said it at the same time. <laughs> Look at us. Look at us. Brain meld. Okay. So, um, let's talk about, um, not only, we, we are going to get into Thanksgiving traditions today, but let's talk about how Thanksgiving came to be. Because I am very aware we have listeners from overseas, which is awesome. Shout out to y'all if you were listening, not in the United States. We love you. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. But I actually learned a whole bunch of stuff because in school they kind of teach us the glossed over version 
the bare minimum version of Thanksgiving. <laughs> What's the bare minimum we can teach these kids? <laughs> there were pilgrims. There were Native Americans. They grew corn. It was Thanksgiving. The end. They that- ate dinner. <laughs> And, um, of course, it it looks like the Thanksgiving that we would have. So we would have these little coloring sheets that had pilgrims and Native Americans on it with, like, slices of pumpkin pie. That didn't, that wasn't a thing. <laughs> Don't forget the cornucopia. And the cornucopia. Why? I never found a single thing about a damn cornucopia in any of this <laughs> research. <laughs> don't know okay so let's talk about the first thanksgiving now we are talking about um again native americans settlers coming over from europe and i know i'm going to say this a million times every time it comes up we don't want to gloss over the fact of the horrendous way the natives were treated during that time this mm-hmm. One instance actually is one of those where everything was actually peaceful. So I feel like, I feel like it was kind of cherry picked, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And turned into this whole thing, which then turned into us being taught that, you know, the natives willingly gave up their land, which is 100% not true. So just know that this, from what I have researched... This was actually a peaceful time between the two. So just saying that out loud. Okay. We acknowledge you. Yeah. So the first Thanksgiving, um, after spending the rest of the winter on the ships, the pilgrims from, oh gosh, I guess it was the Mayflower, right? Mm -hmm. It was the Mayflower. I forgot to write that down, but it's the Mayflower. The pilgrims went to land in the spring to settle into what they called the new world. I came across two different theories as to how the first contact from the natives with this specific group of people happened. So the first theory is that 90-ish of the native Wampanoag people showed up at uh, the Pilgrim's Gate after they built their buildings and such. And over the next few days, they interacted with the 50 or so colonists and without incident. So they became friendly that way. Theory two is that after the pilgrims established their little land, an English speaking member of the Abenaki tribe came and spoke with them. Several days later, Squanto, we all know Squanto. Was was that Squanto? Yeah, that's Squanto. (laughs) Um, A member of the Patuxet tribe came back with a with the first visitor and taught the pilgrims how to survive and cultivate the land and really help them because literally half of the pilgrims died on the voyage or over the winter so there were only about 50 left and it was at this first harvest meal that they invited the leader of the wampanoag tribe chief massasoit either way doesn't really matter which way it happened. When the harvest came that fall, they all celebrated together. And this is the kind of how we view the first Thanksgiving. So it 
actually kind of happened over a few days. And it was in 1621. And the hoo-hoo-doo. So the natives um, contributed venison and had also showed them how to, you know, fish, get eels, shellfish, you know, stews and vegetables. And they were said to even bring beer to the feast. Ooh. I wrote, so the whole damn meal? Like, they brought the whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and since Plymouth had very few buildings, everyone ate outside on the ground. Um, barrels, plates in their laps, kind of a thing. So it was kind of very relaxed. Definitely not the image that we were taught in school. Apparently, the men shot guns, ran races, and drank liquor. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently they could barely That's understand. That's Thanksgivings have all week on. I mean, yeah. We don't run, though. Maybe run to the <laughs> table for seconds, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. But they could barely understand each other, so I'm sure that was an interesting dinner. And this meal sealed a treaty that would last until King Philip's War in 1675 so they had over wow, so that's like 50, 50 years, years right? of like peace between the two and then i wrote well, that's amazing yeah <laughs> then i wrote good example of how one person's actions can fuck it up for everyone like could they not ain't that the truth i did not look up exactly what king philip's war is but i'm putting pieces together Bunch of it, it happened around the same time as, like, the Jacobite Rebellion. It's, uh, it always comes back to the Jacobites, apparently, and it was just a bunch of bullshit in Europe and succession and blah, blah, blah. Oh, lovely. Love that. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> how how did this translate into the Thanksgiving that we know? Uh, the colonists used to hold several Thanksgivings to celebrate God's blessings, such as military victories, ends of drought, good harvests, stuff like that. I didn't know that either. I thought it was like once a year. No, they would hold several throughout the year anytime something good happened. So in 1777, the U.S. Uh, Continental Congress proclaimed a national thanksgiving upon enacting the constitution it was like that's only a year after independence yep so and in celebration for the victory over the british at the battle of saratoga so after 1798 the congress left the declaration to the states so it just really let them choose what day they saw fit to do it so they could be like months away from each other it was mostly because some objected to the government's involvement and observance that had very high religious roots to it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And some also felt that, and especially the Native people, that the celebration masks the true history of oppression and bloodshed that actually occurred. And like I said earlier, it does feel like that this one moment was like kind of cherry picked to be like, everything was fine. Look at this poster child of an event. And we at least recognize that it's not like that. Yeah. It was one little area at one little point in time when you consider everywhere and every yeah. other time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in U S history. 
So, um, big shock. The Southerners were slow to adapt the New England custom. I wrote, big shock, we're stubborn. <laughs> Those damn Yankees. Damn, we don't want to do no damn Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, and others took offense that the day was being used for partisan parades and speeches. So apparently, I guess politicians would get together and do speeches and stuff. And they're like, this is not what it's supposed to be. Why are you Again, doing it's this? that kind of like, they want the separation of church and state at this mm-hmm. time. And that's not really what's going on. Exactly. So a unified national Thanksgiving date didn't become official until the Northerners held the majority in the federal government. And Sarah Josephina Hale, who is a magazine editor, believed that the national Thanksgiving would help unite a country that was on the brink of the Civil War. And she started to write, handwrite to all these politicians and finally won over, uh, won the favor of Abraham Lincoln. And Sarah Josephina Hale, you keep her her name in your brain. Because she did some big things. And you know what one of those big things was? She wrote, Mary had a little lamb. No shit. No shit. So, Mary had a little lamb author was one of the reasons we have a national Thanksgiving. (laughs) I fucking love history. I do. What the fuck? I love that. I do, too. So, on October 3rd of 1863, Abraham Lincoln proclaimed that the first national Thanksgiving would be held Thursday, November 26th. And that was in the middle of the Civil War. Yep. Yep. So, from then on, most presidents proclaimed that Thanksgiving would fall on the last Thursday of November. So, I guess it wasn't like set in stone... But it was, like, observed like that. Thomas Jefferson wouldn't endorse a national mandated holiday like that since he fiercely believed in separation in church of state. So he he was like, we're not having Thanksgiving this year. Unless you want to. That's your choice. But, like, I'm not telling you when to do your Thanksgiving kind of a thing. Yeah, I feel like the original founding fathers, like, that was a big, like, sticking point for them, the separation of church and state, because, like, they were trying to dis- distinct themselves from England, which had, like, God-ordained authority of the monarchy and stuff. And they're like, no, we're not about that. We're about the people and the government. Like, religion doesn't really need to be a big part yeah. of this. Yeah. So. They were like, respectfully, we're going to run the country and y'all do you. Do what you yeah. want, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. So, basically, here for it. Um, and in 1939, Franklin D. Roosevelt um, <laughs> wanted to extend the Christmas shopping season and boost the economy by pushing Thanksgiving to the third week of November. Only 23 of 48 states complied, 
And some even compared him to Hitler for his actions against Thanksgiving. What? How dare you move it a week before? Because his, they were in the depression. So his mindset was like, if we, if we move it a week earlier, we'd have a longer Christmas shopping season and that would boost economy. But people were like, don't fuck with our Thanksgiving, Roosevelt. You're, you Nazi. (laughs) You Nazi. Wow. Mm-hmm. I feel like those things are not equitable. They're not. <laughs> just because they're going on at the same time does not mean they're the same thing. Okay? No. So, um, after a joint resolution of Congress, Roosevelt issued a proclamation in 1942 stating that Thanksgiving will always be on the fourth Thursday of November, which is not always the last Thursday. So... Right. Fourth Thursday of November. And over the years, uh, it it morphed from, and we can kind of see that now, that it's morphed from more religious roots and turned more into a celebration of the gathering together, which has given uh, opportunities for people of different cultures and backgrounds to celebrate one common holiday. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the history of Thanksgiving. It was very dense. Like, I did not expect to learn so much as a 30-year-old American who was born and raised here. It's like, I thought I knew everything. I didn't. I didn't know shit. You never know. You never know. I know. I thought at least I I knew the basics of Thanksgiving. Heaven forbid. But nope. Wrong. Nope. Everything you learn in school is a lie. <laughs> oh my God, guys. I have to tell, I told Morgan this the other day. I went to the coffee shop to do my usual Friday date with myself podcast research. And I am still half asleep because I get there at like 8 a.m. And my dumbass Googles Thanksgiving traditions around the world. Like, other people celebrate Thanksgivings. <laughs> it's strictly a U.S. and Canada thing. Like, why? Why did my half-asleep brain think that I was gonna get like? You know, like you were trying to be multicultural. You were trying to say, "I would love to see how this is celebrated around the world in different countries, celebrations of it." You know, I think that's what my my brain was going for. And then it was like that hamster finally started running on that wheel and was like, "Wait a minute, (laughs) you silly goose, goober, goosing it." I've been guessing too much. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So. Oh, I got to get myself together. Okay. What are some of the things that you think of as far as like Thanksgiving traditions? Morgan. Turkey. Turkey. Turkey and pie. Turkey and pie. Okay. What other activities maybe? And Norman Rockwell. <laughs> um. Football. Okay. Because there's always a football yep. game. Um, honestly, like, just hanging out with family. Like, cool. wherever I had 
Thanksgiving any given year. It was just like, we're just going to chill with family. There'll be a football game going on in the background, but we would all just kind of be talking. Um, We didn't really have a lot of traditions beyond just eating so much So much food, honestly. (laughs) I, I don't even... The thought of the amount of food that we have every year, staggering. Uh, Nick and I mm-hmm. eat on the leftovers for days, and so do my brother and his wife and my parents. Like, four meals split up. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So, you hit one, well, you hit my first one, uh, football. So let's talk about how football turns out to be like a Thanksgiving tradition. And it goes back further than you think it does. So Yale versus Princeton was the first football game to be watched on Thanksgiving in 1876. Wow. Yeah. I just said that really weird. I'm sorry. (laughs) Very surprising to me. (laughs) Wait, who is it that says wow? Um... Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) So thank you for knowing that. I gave you very little to go off of. That was the first one to be watched. Obviously, in 1876, you had to go to the game to watch it. Right. But in 1920, the National Football League was formed. And the Detroit Lions thought that it would boost the game's popularity If they played on Thanksgiving Day, Um, they played the Bears that year and the Bears, the defending back-to-back world champions, beat the Lions 19 to 16 in front of 26,000 fans at the University of Detroit Stadium in November 29th, 1934. So it took a couple years, but they finally put it together. They were the first to keep the yearly tradition. And to this day, the Detroit Lions play every year on Thanksgiving. Um, The Detroit Lions have played on Thanksgiving every year since then, except for years between 1939 and 1944 due to World War II. They weren't playing. Makes sense. It. They had bigger fish to fry, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like World War Two, Kind of like World War Two or something. Psh. I know. <laughs> so in 1966, the NFL decided um, that the Dallas Cowboys was another team that would play every year on Thanksgiving. And the first year they played, uh, they beat the Cleveland Browns 26 to 14. They have played every year on Thanksgiving since, except for 1975 and 1977. Is that because of Vietnam? No, actually. In those two years, the NFL wanted to see if the St. Louis Cardinals could be uh, more popular by hosting the Thanksgiving Day slot. But St. Louis lost both years. And the NFL was like, come on now. You got to be better than that. So they gave it back to the Cowboys permanently. Also, I'm an idiot because Vietnam was not in the late 70s. Please disregard my (laughs) dumb comment. (laughs) Wait, what years was Vietnam? The 60s? Like 69 and 70. Oh, we're going to Google it now. I'm really bad with remembering specific years. 
I am too. Oh, it was a lot longer than I thought. Let's see. United States and the Vietnam War. We stopped being involved in it in 1973. Oh, well, you weren't too far off. And we, we entered in 1969. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah, you weren't too far off. You're only two years off on that first okay. one. Anyway, give yourself some credit. You remembered that. <laughs> Look at you. Kiss my brain. Yep. <laughs> Uh, to do it better than mine. So in 2006, the NFL added a third game with no specific host team to play every year. Um, so let's look at the win-loss, and I'm guessing tie records? They didn't specify, but they gave three numbers, and one of them looks like tie. So the Detroit Lions have 137, lost 43, tied twice. And they're going to have the biggest number because they've been doing it the longest. And these are just Thanksgiving right. game stats. Yeah. Um, and this is according to, I think it was to 2022. So last year, obviously. Okay. Thanksgiving hasn't fucking happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I like this? <laughs> you're doing your best (laughs) i'm trying guys okay so the dallas cowboys (laughs) they've won 31 lost 22 tied one and then um the bears and the green day packers were the next top two as far as like the amount of times they've played so i guess they hit that third slot um so the chicago bears Won 20, lost 15, tied 2, and the Green Day Packers, 14, 14, and 2. So there we are. And as far as, like, the players and their traditions, most players and their families celebrate on Friday because of the games. Okay. And here, go to the skit real quick. I want you to look. Mm -hmm. Okay, one, I forgot to show you the picture of the first Thanksgiving. But down into the right, you'll see, like, pilgrim in the football stands in the stands yeah yeah um so his name is mark mullins and he is a season ticket holder since 1991 and him and his daughter dress up every year as pilgrims and go to the game so that's really that's his daughter mandy with him in the picture and he's done it for 30 years now and he doesn't look that old, honestly. No. Like I'm looking at him like he looks like thirty. Good for him, <laughs> honestly. The pilgrim life has been keeping him young, apparently. So <laughs> so he's with a group of diehard Lions fans that start tailgating at nine AM every year. So good for them. Um in nineteen ninety seven, the Cowboys opened the Salvation Army Red Kettle kickoff at halftime. And has since raised $3 billion for the Salvation Army. Wow. And wow. in most years, the Dallas Cowboy players will go to a local Salvation Army shelter and serve a Thanksgiving meal to those in need. Aww. Isn't that the best? Oh. And other, um, other teams, like, in their... 
whatever. They serve like an optional Thanksgiving meal to the players, but they're not going to make them eat like a big old meal and then go play football. Oh, God. (laughs) Can you imagine eating like an enormous Thanksgiving meal and then playing like three hours of football? I would throw up immediately. All over the place. So, for all the Cowboys sweet ticket holders and the press box, they serve a traditional meal. And a breakdown of some of the food served in 2021 is as follows. 11,500 pounds of turkey. Oh my god. 7,600 pounds of Cowboys mac and cheese. 4,640 pounds of cornbread. 4,150 pounds of ham, 2,340 pounds of potato puree, so I guess mashed potatoes, 234 gallons of cranberry sauce, and 175 gallons of whipped cream for desserts. That's so much food. And that's in one year? That's in one year day like like one game that's the meal on thanksgiving (laughs) that they like at the stadium and that's just in that's just the cowboys in detroit it's not as much but it's still um you can buy stuff at the concession stands so 1300 pounds of turkey, a thousand turkey legs, 2,500 slices of pie, 75 gallons of gravy, 35 gallons of cranberry sauce, 25 gallons of cranberry barbecue sauce, 2,000 pounds of mashed potatoes, 400 pounds of green beans, 300 pounds of corn on the cob, and 1,100 pounds of stuffing or dressing if you're from the South. (laughs) Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much fucking food. I know. I know. It's like taking me back to culinary school days. I made chocolate chip cookies once for like, fuck if I know, an event. And the recipe was like, all right, add 15 pounds of butter. Uh. <laughs> Five pounds <laughs> of regular sugar. Five pounds of brown sugar. And I mean, it was just all to scale. And I was using one of those big floor mixers, but mm-hmm. 15 pounds of butter. I used like 10 pounds of chocolate chips. I can't even... <laughs> That's so many. It was so much. <laughs> Anything can be made gross if you just make enough of it. I made clam chowder once and I was like, yeah. why in the hell did I just use two gallons of heavy whipping cream? I don't want this anymore. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, on to the next topic of discussion is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I'm such an idiot. (laughs) Like, that's like the Thanksgiving thing. So, I... I've never had the attention span to watch a Thanksgiving Day yeah. Parade for more than, like, five seconds at a time. So, it's not in my family tradition. That's fair. Like, we don't really watch... I think my grandma does, and I think she's the only one in my family that watches the parade. <laughs> we turn it on, and then while we cook, 
we like keep checking on it. And I have a funny story. I brought it up to my mom the other day and I was like, yeah. And I looked up the Rockettes. Everyone knows the Rockettes with their legs kicking up in the air. Yeah. And every year, if my mom catches the Rockettes on the TV, she will yell, everyone, come on. It's the Rockettes. Like we all have to come and watch. I can (laughs) hear that in her voice. It's the Rockettes. Rockettes. (laughs) And I told her this year, that she does this. And she went, I don't do that. And I went, yes, you do. <laughs> and she went, Rob, that's my dad, Rob, <laughs> when I did it, do I do that? And he went, yeah. <laughs> so I just unlocked a whole new like thing for her, apparently. <laughs> that's so yep. funny. So let's get into the history of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. So, in the late 1800s, parades of people in costumes on Thanksgiving Day were becoming more common. So, they weren't the first parade. Actually, in 1920, Gimbel's Department Store in Philadelphia staged a parade with about 50 people with Santa Claus in the back because they were promoting their store's Toyland. So, they were actually the first department store to put on the parade. I could not find anything else about the Gimbel's Department Store Parade. I literally looked up a source that said, we didn't forget that Gimbel's did it first. They pretty much said what I just said and then went on about Macy's. And I was like, I want to know more about Gimbel's. But I couldn't find it. So I'm sorry, guys. In 1924, uh, Macy's wanted to celebrate their new department store opening and it was one million square feet of a department store it took up an entire new york city block i was about to say is it the is it the one that's still yeah. in new york yeah. city big as shit it's very big so it was originally a branded as a christmas parade um, because they wanted to bring in that Christmas holiday shopping, but it, it soon changed to a Thanksgiving parade. It was always on Thanksgiving. Okay. They just wanted to yeah. promote Christmas. So mm-hmm. it didn't start um, with the balloons until it switched to a Thanksgiving parade in 1927. Okay. The balloon architect, designer, creator was Anthony Frederick Sarge and he was a German-born puppeteer and theatrical designer. Okay. I know. Very nice. And the original broadcasting of the parade was on the radio only. So you just had to, like, use your imagination. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, they didn't have TVs yet. So I guess there would be like an announcer describing all the floats and balloons and dancers and all that. Yep. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just, no wonder people in the old times got up to so many shenanigans. Like, What else did they have to do? Imagine just like like sitting next to a radio for like four hours, just listening to a description of a parade. I would go crazy. Be like, I think I'm going to go outside. I would knit so many sweaters. I would knit so many sweaters just sitting right there. Just like, I need something to do with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> I. 
<laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'd bake so many loaves of bread. And cookies. Apparently. And cookies, yeah. <laughs> 15 pounds. Um, so Mickey Mouse's first debut in the parade was in 1934. And in that year, it was stated that the parade was so large, it took an hour to pass. Those are wow. rookie numbers compared to what it's oh, yeah. now. Oh, my God. It lasts all day now. All day. And apparently, they were, like, super big into clowns at this time. Please go back to the skit. I need you to be scarred like I am. Okay, so here we've got some of the, like, original balloons. And, yeah. um... See some fish? Yeah. A shark, maybe? And a horse or a cow? <laughs> see Felix the cat. Uh, bottom left. Look at big headed clown here. Just greeting all the kids. Night nightmare fuel. You can make it bigger if you want. It's I'm I'm making it bigger. Good. It's nightmare fuel. Also, that head Oh that head has to be big and oh. hot. I, I can't. I will put this on all the socials because everyone else needs to be scarred with me. Well Yeah, that's a little horrifying it's got, and all these little children are like yeah yay, big clown. i'm not gonna sleep for a week so uh yeah the clown has like three eyebrows big old ears yeah somehow he has no neck it takes up the entire like torso and head of this actor it's terrifying, honestly. Yeah, that's that is terrifying. Yeah, like I don't think clowns are like that scary. Like they don't really bother me, but that is pretty that horrifying. Is. Um, so a group of elephants participated in 1954 in the parade. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. And the Radio City Rockets uh, were filling stockings in 1958 and have been a part ever since. And then I put on the side here, they're my mom's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> the Rockets. My mom likes those. Next tradition. Do you watch this after the Thanksgiving Day Parade? The dog show. I've watched the, the puppy, the puppy bowl. But <laughs> you never watched the dog show? I don't. Oh my god. My family we would think. it it comes on directly after the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and it is a yearly legitimate like it is a dog show. It's been going on Is it like the AKC dog show? It's not or? the AKC, it's the Kennel Club of Philadelphia dog show, but they call it just the dog okay. show now, but it started in 1879. So it is like the oh, wow. longest running dog show and um, well, it ran annually until 1927, then resumed in 1933. So I don't know what that pause was, but um, pretty much every year. And my, we would watch it again as we're like either eating Thanksgiving dinner. We would just keep the TV on and we would like mm -hmm. root for dogs as a family. We would like <laughs> each category. We were like, no, I like that shepherd or I like that hound dog or oh my god look at that Dotson. we had Dotsons growing up so like <laughs> yeah. we were like yeah our dog won 
got into it. That's really cute. So that's really what cute. is the show? Um, so the show was originally called the Kennel Club of Philadelphia Dog Show. Like I said, started in 1879. Um, and it used to be held from the third to last weekend of November. And I think that means like third from last. So around the second weekend of November. I don't know why they worded it like that. But they held it there until 2002. And it is one of six remaining benched dog shows in the United States. And what benched means is that while the dogs are not actively participating in the like running or whatever, they have to sit on a bench and wait their turn like good little doggos and be patient. And that's actually kind of hard for dogs, turns out. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it is a very hard dog show. So in 2002, um, the NBC began airing the dog show. And it's one of three major dog shows in the nation, including the AKC National Championship and the Westminster Dog Show. Okay. And the first dog to win two consecutive Best in Show awards in show the show's history was GCH Foxcliff Claire Randall Fraser, a Scottish deerhound. And she won. What an amazing name. You wait, I have a link. And we're going to go through some names. Okay. But first, why is the show on Thanksgiving? Why did they move it? So, uh, did you ever watch this movie? So, the introduction of the TV viewing of the dog show stemmed from the 2000 film Best in Show. Did you ever watch that movie? It's I was obsessed with it as a kid. It was a movie about dog shows. (laughs) I can't believe there's a movie that you have seen and I have not. People, write this down. (laughs) Record this. And I guess we are recording this in history. But yes. (laughs) So um, NBC lost its rights to air Thanksgiving football four years prior to that. So I guess what would that be? 1998? And they were having a hard time figuring out how to fill that time slot. And they had been airing the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Have you seen that one? I have not seen it. I haven't. I've heard a lot about it, but I've never seen it. my dad's favorite. But the movie wasn't really doing well in that time slot. It is kind of in the middle of the day. So, don't know. So, NBC Sports, John Miller suggested that the dog show would be a good fit for the time slot because the family atmosphere of the holiday and then pets being considered part of the family for most. Um, Plus they would have like some camaraderie for the breeds that they own. So you best bet my family was rooting for the Dotsons when we saw a Dotson and a hound dog because we had Jack. But um, in the weekly skit at the top of the pictures, it says, click me for some fun dog names. Yes. I need you to click it. Okay. Okay. And scroll down to the chart. First off, Gustavus Brady. <laughs> Read some of your favorites out loud. 
Oh my gosh. These are these are worse than like horse names. Right off the bat, Cookie Land Cookie Land Seaside Hollyberry. <laughs> I saw yeah. that. Um Blue Chip Purple Rain. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not like Purple Rain is in the Prince song, it's R E I G N. Yeah. Um <laughs> Oh, Smash JP win a victory. <laughs> Rocky Top yeah. Sundance Kid. Buff Cap Kreslane Arctic Mist. No, you're Sorry. fine. GCH, steal your heart. <laughs> um, but it's not steal. It's S T E E L E. Craig Moore, Good Time Charlie. <laughs> Somerset wins all hashtag. <laughs> Pinnacle Tennessee Whiskey. And he goes by Whiskey. I- <laughs> <laughs> He's a whippet! (laughs) Whiskey the whippet! (laughs) GCHP Fox Canyons, I won the war at Gold Shield. And he goes by Winston, which makes no fucking sense at all! (laughs) Wind and Tide, Mr. Sandman. These are hilarious. Oh my god, seriously. Uh, there's Round Town Mercedes of Mary Scott. After all, painting the sky. Is her- Diamond Gold Majesu Pisco Bulls. And he goes by Thor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. These are th- And these are just the winners of every year from 2001 yeah. to 2022. I mean, you're welcome. Listen, blue chip purple rain goes by raisin. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, buff cap crystalline arctic mist goes by swizzle. I just, I was literally just looking at Aren't these the best? The only one that makes sense of any of these is that cookie land seaside hollyberry goes by holly. Well, that actually makes sense. Gustavus Brady goes by Gus. (laughs) That's there yeah. we go. That, okay. that makes sense. I just needed too. you to know those in your heart. I really appreciate <laughs> you sharing those. So, uh, do you know about this tradition? Breaking the wishbone for good luck. I I have heard of that. I don't think we partake, but I We haven't it. done it in a long time, but we also didn't think of it as like a specific Thanksgiving tradition. Every time we would cook like a whole chicken there for a long time we'd be digging out the wishbones and uh yeah yeah so who started it so ancient italian uh civilization called etcheria and this practice dates back 2400 years it's not expecting oh, wow. that so they thought yeah. that hens were a form of oracle oracle chickens and when they killed one to eat they would take out the hen's collarbone and dry it in the sun and the at the the people i cannot say it i'm sorry would then take the wishbone and stroke it while making a wish and for a while they did not break the wishbones or harm them um 
in any way because it would bring them good luck. Well, when the Romans came into their lives, the Romans adopted some of these customs. And according to some writings, they had started to break the bones so they could pretty much share the wealth of the magic within the bones, kind of spread out the bones. Um, It was just supply and demand. And as it turned out, a wish would be granted. but only one bone in a hen's body offers the opportunity. So that's why they would break it. Um, and apparently the. It's usually the bigger piece. Yeah, it's right? the it's the shape that if you hold it upright, it looks like a Y. Yeah. But like if you have like the. the oh, part yes. That, that descends. Yeah. So. Like you get that luck if you get the bigger so piece. So what you do is one person holds one side and one person holds the other side and you both pull it. And whoever gets the bigger piece mm-hmm. gets the gets the thing. So that is what you were saying, but yes. Um, and they thought that this bone held magical properties because of the V-shape of the wishbone. And they thought it looked like a human crotch. So a source of life and pleasure. <laughs> I broke Morgan. <laughs> it's all about the genitals it's always always about the genitals (sighs) so the romans took the traditions back to england and then eventually the english took it to the quote-unquote new world via the pilgrims and that's how that happened um and then eventually the tradition started becoming associated with thanksgiving because um it's just poultry so there we go um so there's that one that was a short and sweet one now next the meal or as my brother would call it, National Casserole Day. Yay, I love casseroles. I do too. I don't know if like if like that's a normal thing or just a southern thing, but we eat a shit ton of casseroles. I mean we got sweet potato casserole, green bean casserole, hash brown casserole. Um what's another one? Oh, there's more broccoli casserole. There's gotta be another. Mac and cheese in a giant casserole yeah, dish. Yeah. <laughs> we have two different kinds of um, dressing, too. Because in Kentucky, mm-hmm. my Kentucky family d- doesn't cook their dressing. They eat it raw. And the- <laughs> I know. I didn't know that was, like, not a thing until, I don't know. And then my Tennessee family cooks it. So we serve two and I'm not going to lie, I like them both. So <laughs> so let's start off with turkey. We're not going to hit everything because we can't. Um, so why do we eat turkey? Um, apparently, there was just a shit ton of them. Estimating 10 million yeah, were in North America during the European contact. And Damn, there were... Lot. 
almost always turkeys on family farms available for slaughter. Um, Cows, chickens, and other farm animals were more useful alive as long as they were producing milk and eggs and such, but turkeys were pretty much just raised for their meat. So that's kind of the first thing that they would kill. And third main reason, a single turkey was normally big enough to feed an entire family, unless you're the Duggars and you need a second turkey. I don't know. But for the most (laughs) part, depending on your family size, one big enough turkey could feed everyone. So... (sighs) But the tradition really wasn't completely solidified until the 1800s. So in Sarah Josephine's Hale's book, yes, Miss Mary Had a Little Lamb herself, um, in her book, Northwood, which was an anti-slavery novel, she dedicated an entire chapter to the description of a Thanksgiving meal, which included roasted turkey quote, placed at the head of the table. And this is about the time she really started to campaign for a national Thanksgiving. So she was giving this meal her all. Thanksgiving meal does deserve an entire chapter in a book. It does. And it did help popularize the idea of turkey being associated with Thanksgiving. Also, in 1843, a Christmas carol helps solidify the turkey as just like a holiday meal. So that's some have turkey on Thanksgiving and Christmas. So that helped. And also in 1856, a collection of pilgrim writings was published to the public. And these writings included descriptions of the quote, first Thanksgiving And one of the colonists, William Bradford, claimed that they had a, quote, great store of wild turkey in Plymouth that fall. So soon after, people started making connections between turkey, pilgrims, Thanksgiving, that whole thing, um, and even started adding it to children's education. Now, I know we cannot for sure know what they ate. A lot of people speculate that it was just other kinds of fowl, like duck and geese and other things like that. But Turkey's not necessarily, pun intended, off the table because it was available. So we just don't know for sure. Yeah. Next, cranberry sauce. I love me a good cranberry Mm. sauce. Do you like canned cranberry sauce or like fresh? I do. I love the shit out of it. I like both. I do too. I think fresh is like a little more tart where canned is more sweet. And like jelly, it's slurpable. I like the the jelly yeah. <laughs> like texture of it. Like it's almost like Jello. Uh-huh. And I fucking love Jello as a kid. Oh, I did too. And I was like, it's like healthy Jello. It's not healthy, but <laughs> there's probably even more sugar and cranberry sauceners and Jello. But um, yeah. And most of my family doesn't like it that much. It was mostly me and my middle sister that ate the cranberry sauce because everyone else was like. Like, the turkey was fine. It was always a little turkey's turkey. Yes. Um, I was more about, like, all the side mm-hmm. dishes. Like, the, the mashed potatoes and the mac and cheese and the green bean casserole Listen, and the rolls. And the- if you didn't take a roll and put a slice of ham and mashed potatoes in between the roll, mm-hmm. were you living? Yeah. 
You were not living. No. And then you got to cover it in gravy. Yes. Oh, you got to put the gravy. Oh, yeah. Got to put some gravy on it. You have a mashed potato it. ham sandwich? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so excited for Thanksgiving now. Okay. I know. And now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> okay. Back to cranberry sauce. So cranberries are actually one of the only native North American fruits. So we're looking at like Concord grapes, um, cranberries, and I think there was something else that I'm not remembering. But it's just assumed that they were so popular among the native peoples that it was served during Thanksgiving in some kind of a way. Now, the Pilgrims' sugar supply had gone down significantly since they had arrived, so it's not like they had sweetened cranberries, but they probably just ate them raw. I mean, if you like a good tart yeah. snack, that cranberries are great. Um, sweetened cranberry sauce wasn't actually invented until the mid-17th century. Oh. Mm-hmm. And okay. the first acknowledgement of a cranberry sauce recipe can be found in a 1796 cookbook um, called American Cookery by Amelia Simmons, which calls for serving roast turkey with, quote, boiled onions and cranberry sauce. Yeah, that sounds pretty it good. It does. And Marcus Uran canned the first jellied cranberry sauce in 1912. And then he eventually founded the Cranberry Growers Cooperation, known as Ocean Spray. Oh! I know, I did the same thing. I was like, Ocean Spray! Um, and he wanted to still be able to use the damaged berries from harvesting so he was like well let's just take all the damaged ones squish them up sweeten it up make a cranberry sauce can it up and make morgan's favorite treat like that's (laughs) (laughs) he was thinking of you i feel so special (laughs) so ocean uh i accidentally wrote ocean prey ocean spray in (laughs) this pray for the ocean so Ocean Spray invented the wet harvesting method to harvest cranberries, which completely changed the cranberry market. And that's like when they're in a bog, right? Yes. So before, people were just handpicking these cranberries. And what they decided to do is they're just going to flood the shit out of it, wait for the berries to come to the top, and then they're just literally easy pickings. They just scoop them up out of the water. Now, are you ready for my favorite thing? Yes. Pumpkin, pumpkin pie. pie. Pumpkin pie. I knew that's pie. what you were going to say. <laughs> oh my God. Remind me to like look up a vegan pumpkin pie recipe. I'll make you one. Okay. Can't be that hard, right? So, uh, much like cranberries, pumpkins were native to North America and were most likely on the menu of the first Thanksgiving in some form or fashion. Um, it was a staple to the people that lived in North America and grew in popularity as the years went on and recipes developed. So early versions of the pie. So in a 1653 French cookbook instructed chefs to boil the pumpkin in milk and strain it before putting it in a crust. So like, I don't, just like the, not, like the pumpkin meat or the whole pumpkin. It just says the pumpkin, but for God's sake, I hope they mean just the meat. 
<laughs> I'm imagining now like a smushy pumpkin just put into a, In pie, a pie crust, crust. just <laughs> set there. <laughs> All like squished. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, English writer Hannah Woolley's 1670s Gentlewoman's Companion. Ooh. I had to say it like that. Gentlewoman's Companion advocated a pie filled with alternating layers of pumpkin and apple, spiced Ooh. rosemary, sweet and sweet marjoram, and a handful of thyme. That sounds lovely. That sounds delicious. I need to find the 1670s Gentlewoman's Companion because I want to make that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. super delicious. Yes, it does. So an early New England recipe involved filling a hollowed out pumpkin with spiced sweetened milk and just cooking it directly on the fire. I don't hate that. No, I don't either. I mean, it's basically its own pot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Amelia Simmons, which whom we saw in the 1796 American cookery with the turkey and cranberry sauce. Um, she contained two pumpkin pie recipes. And one of those is very similar to today's custard version of a pumpkin pie. Okay. And that was very revolutionary for a lot of people. Now, what I wasn't expecting was that in the 19th century, pumpkin pie held political significance on the topic of slavery. How? Many of the abolitionists were from New England and they, I don't know if they maybe just saw the pie as like, freedom kind of like the idea of like apple pie i don't know but they kept mentioning it mentioning it in novels and poems and broadsides and they kept bringing it up when talking about slavery so it just kind of turned into like a symbol kind of and once again sarah josephine hale mentioned in mentioned the pie in northwood probably in that chapter um which she stated yet the pumpkin pie occupied the most distinguished niche so it was like a big part of the whatever is happening mm -hmm. um in 1842 lydia maria child wrote her famous poem about a new england thanksgiving that began over the river and through the wood and ended with a shout Hurrah for the pumpkin pie. <laughs> and I too say hurrah for the pumpkin pie. Hurrah. Hurrah. So after the war, the union, the union started sharing their Thanksgiving traditions with the South and therefore spreading pumpkin pie all over the country. Hooray. But again, the hurrah. But the, uh, the Southerners again, like I said, very reluctant. And they were like, we don't want, your pie, you northerners who are <laughs> against this war or, yeah, against slavery or whatever. Yeah, it it was a thing. I don't really know how to articulate it, but, yeah. like, somehow it was a thing. Um, and in 1929, Libby became the first company to sell a canned pumpkin that would make 
baking the pies easier, which really helps solidify the popularity because making a, a homemade pumpkin pie is a pain in the ass. It is because you have to get the right pumpkin. You can't use a regular yeah. pumpkin. You have to use a pie nope. pumpkin. And as Emily has previously established, they're hard as shit. They're hard so... as shit. <laughs> and you got to scrape everything out of it. Yeah. And then you got to roast the pumpkin. At least when I made it, you had to roast the pumpkin for like an hour to get it soft enough yeah. to like actually like mash and form like into like a pie. So. Yeah. It's actually, not worth it. I actually have a can of Libby pumpkin pie mix in my pantry right now look at <laughs> you look at that okay i'm sending you another link right under the dog one but i want to explore this together because i'm shooketh with how other people spend their thanksgiving sides because i can't get into every single side for thanksgiving but why why is a side salad an option for some of these people. Why are you being healthy? Arizona and Idaho, which is very surprising. So I think the title says the most popular Thanksgiving side in every state spoiler mashed potatoes are still the best. So, <laughs> which I do. Okay, agree. I love yeah. mashed potatoes. Listen, Tennessee's got hash brown casserole. I'll give it that. Cool. It's a potato. Yeah. Rolls in Florida. Mm-hmm. I, okay all right um was that north carolina's got biscuits cool i'm here for biscuits cornbread only two only two states virginia and vermont are macaroni and cheese wow damn oh, look at minnesota and missouri charcuterie yeah, okay, bougie. <laughs> chill. <laughs> Fucking chill. <laughs> no, oh, Michigan's rolls, too. Also, mm-hmm. I know y'all in the North call it stuffing. It's dressing. Down here. <laughs> Don't well, ask me Louisiana, why. Louisiana, it's cornbread dressing. Okay, see, I don't... Yeah, it's... It's dress- See the difference there? It's dressing. <laughs> I don't know what else. I don't know why. Um, oh, we got Rhode Island is glazed carrots. Ah, okay. I don't like cooked carrots. So something my grandma used to make every uh, Thanksgiving. She always makes the sweet potatoes with marshmallows. We had that. I never had it with potato. marshmallows. She would like make it and i think there was like a little bit of pineapple in the, the sweet potatoes and she would put marshmallows all along the top of it and bake it so they got all like melty yeah so see we do brown sugar like crumble on the top that sounds brown really sugar good. cinnamon crumble it's delicious uh but yeah we got texas's cream corn so we can't go through all uh. of them but I'm just offended by the side salads, honestly. It doesn't offended. make any sense. No. Thanksgiving is not the time for vegetables except for potatoes and green bean casserole. Those are the only know. two acceptable vegetables. Yeah. Georgia and South Carolina's got some collard greens, and I can throw down on some damn collard greens. 
I love collard greens. Yeah, Nick doesn't like. You either like them or you hate them. That's they're fine. I just my family, my family is not southern. That's um, fair. I was raised in the south, but my family is not southern. Um, so we have some of those northern, more northern traditions. Yeah. Like I grew up calling it stuffing, not dressing, because my family is from New York and Florida. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh no so. my my parents are from Tennessee and Kentucky <laughs> and uh, Nick's Nick's mom was born in um, Tennessee but her mom was from California and then Nick's dad is from New Hampshire so I've I've got two different kinds of Thanksgivings going on there's over all here. yeah those are very different yeah so we're done with food but we do have a well a few more things not a lot turkey trots the good old marathon runners yep yeah uh it ain't me we actually did one last year did you yeah um it was for a a fundraiser oh i'm sure uh, i've got my trophy right here i'm very proud of you Listen, I don't knock anyone that does them. I think that's great on you, but my knees could never. Oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. (laughs) It's a little uh, blue and green turkey uh, with a little pilgrim hat. Aww. Um, Yeah, but it was, um, I think for, I don't remember what charity it was for, but my mom was like, hey, we're running a marathon on thanksgiving and i was like why (laughs) (laughs) why (laughs) but we did it i mean that's great i applaud you i'll cheer you on from the sidelines and i will donate money if that's what i need to do to not run a race (laughs) yeah i don't it was a lot because it was like five miles yeah I was I was very tired at the end of it, and I'm I I have really short legs, so I'm I didn't run. We walked the whole thing, but everyone else is a faster walker than I am because I have little little nub legs. So yeah, I, <laughs> I was like power walking while everyone else like leisurely strolling along, and I'm like, ah, that's wait up, you guys. <laughs> legitimately, me trying to keep up with Nick in a grocery store. I can't. I'm like, babe, where are you going so fast? Why? <laughs> What's your hurry? <laughs> yeah, seriously, the bread will be there. <laughs> okay, so did you know the first organized run on Thanksgiving was in Buffalo, New York in 1896? Wow. Wow, and was hosted by the local YMCA, and is still hosted by the local YMCA. Very cool. It was an 8K cross-country race, so that's five miles. It had only six participants in the first one, and only four of them made it to the finish line. Two of them was that another Was it another 1904 Olympics? No, but I did put... I did put that quote. They would never, they never would have survived the 1904 Olympics. Is what I wrote. 
One runner dropped out after only two miles, stating that his, quote, late breakfast refused to keep in its proper place. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they wouldn't have made it. So the winner, Henry A. Allison, crossed the line in 31 minutes, 12 seconds, averaging Damn. a six-minute mile, six-minute per mile pace. Yeah. Quick. The race has been held every year without fail, even during COVID. Wow. Where they they did keep the numbers down to only 125 randomly selected runners. But they did okay. hold the race. And it is the oldest continuous foot race in North America. And it is older than the Boston Marathon. Wow. By That's like really six cool. months. Yeah. Yeah. So popularity of races grew across the East Coast. Um, and recent races gain up to 20,000 runners in some areas. Damn. And in 1972, women joined uh, the runs and it slowly but surely turned into the family fun runs that we know today. And the costumes became popular in the 1980s. Yeah, there were a lot of people in costumes at I our love marathon that. last year. I love that. Uh, the race in Buffalo has gone through many names over the years, but it's always five miles and it's always on Thanksgiving Day. And there was a massive blizzard in 2000, just days before the race. And the mayor was like, shit. So they ordered the roads to be cleared and barely got them cleared in time for the 3,500 runners to start. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that's stressful. Yeah. And in thanks, or sorry, in 2015, Thanksgiving runs beat out the 4th of July as the most popular race day. So well, it is a healthy way and to like spend the morning before you like veg yeah. out and then give back to charity. So that's cool. And yeah. let's see in 2011, 684,334 runners participated in turkey trots across the United States. And in 2016, 961,882 people ran. That's a Damn, 30% a increase in five years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I would be uh, remiss in my job if I did not say anything about the Thanksgiving in Canada. They are neighbors to the north. So that also started in the colonial period, arising from European traditions uh, in gratitude for safe journeys, peace, and good harvest. The early celebration was held in 1578 when an expedition oh led goodness. by, yeah, led by Martin Frobisher held a ceremony in the present day none of it to give thanks for the safety of the fleet. In 1879, Parliament established a national Thanksgiving Day on November 6th, and it has varied over the years. So, Canada's Thanksgiving Day has been celebrated on the second Monday in October every year since 1957. Okay. And 
that is what I have about Canada. Now, you ready to get into a few little fun facts and then we'll wrap it up? Sounds good. Okay. I don't know why I sounded like a banjo there for a second. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, guys. So in 1953, an employee at C.A. Swanson and Sons vastly overestimated turkey demands for that year's Thanksgiving, which left them with over 260 tons of extra frozen turkeys. So his solution was to order a shit ton of aluminum trays and have line workers assemble the pieces of turkey with other side dishes and then sell them as pre-made meals. This was the first iteration of the TV tray dinners. And in 1954, the next year, the company sold 10 million of them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. That's, that's very ingenious of him to be able to kind of like, oh, let's repurpose this. Yeah. Seriously, all good ideas come from like a mistake and you got to figure out how to fix it. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so, oh, the next one was the postponed Thanksgiving due to the molasses shortage. I already talked about that one. So starting in the 1940s, farmers would gift the president's turkeys for them to eat as Thanksgiving gifts. JFK was the first to let the turkey live, saying, quote, we'll just let this one grow. It's our Thanksgiving present to him. Then the official tradition of the president pardoning a turkey started with George H.W. Bush in 1989. That's really funny. (laughs) That is really cute. The next one's even better. So in 1926, President Calvin Coolidge was gifted a raccoon to eat as a Thanksgiving meal. (laughs) I know your face. The Mississippi man who gave it to him stated that raccoon meat was, quote, toothsome. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just went through so many emotions, like, very quickly. It's like, he was given a raccoon, and I went, oh, to eat. Oh, no. (laughs) But the Coolidge family adopted the raccoon instead, naming it Rebecca. (laughs) And they also had a pet black bear. Wallaby and a pygmy hippo named Billy. <laughs> That's nice. I That's know. really nice. I did come across um First Lady Coolidge holding this big fat raccoon named Rebecca and it was the cutest <laughs> thing and I hate that I didn't put it on there. It was cute. Rebecca the raccoon. Rebecca. So The Jacksonville Jaguars are the only team to never have played on Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And most touchdowns in a single Thanksgiving game was held by Bob, is it Greasy? Grease? In 1977 and Peyton Manning in 2004 with six touchdowns in a single game each. Peyton. Let's go Manning. (laughs) 
It's my boy. So anyway, uh, Thanksgiving causes more sewer issues that more sewer issues than any other holiday. And it's not what you think. <laughs> All the massive shits people are taking after consuming 5,000 calories in an hour. <laughs> it's, it's because homeowners wait till the day after the holidays. So like the, their busiest day of the year is the day after Thanksgiving, but apparently it's from the turkey grease and stuff that gets poured down drains. Oh. But I went, I went straight to the dumps too. <laughs> the emergency shits these people are taking after consuming four days worth of meat. <laughs> In two hours. <laughs> You know what? That does make sense. Because a lot of people don't know, like, they don't know that. You don't yeah. put oil down a grease trap Please. or down a drain. P.S.A. If you have grease or oil, pour it literally anywhere but down your drain. I mean, put it in a in a cup and, like, scrape into the trash can when it cools down. Or, yeah. it, 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 or your southern... Or Southern Mammal will tell you, put the bacon grease into a jar and then use it for other things later. Or literally mm-hmm. anything. That is a good way to ruin your pipes. Please don't do that. Grease does not go down drains. Grease goes nope. into the wood line in your backyard or in your trash can. Yeah. Okay. There's my PSA. Also, be wary <laughs> of your massive dumps later. Do a courtesy <laughs> flush a few times. <laughs> Your family will thank you. Yes, for uh, sure. We don't need no clogged toilets on Thanksgiving. Nope. Uh, so Butterball Hotline answers around 100,000 calls a year. So if you have a question about how to cook your turkey, you can call the Butterball Hotline and they will walk you through the process. Butterball has a hotline. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have the number, but I'm sure you can just Google it. Yeah, there you go. Also, don't deep, don't deep fry frozen turkey. No, God, it will explode. Hot and cold, you got to have room temp turkey. Put it in slow, away from your body, please. Do not deep fry frozen turkeys. It will explode. And you will get hot oil all over your skin. Also, when you put the room temp turkey in the oil, it will make the oil temp go down. Do not crank that bitch up to get it back hot. It will come back. Leave it be. You don't want burnt (laughs) turkey. And no one likes to taste the burnt oil. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. Let her eat. Okay. Or just use an oven. And just cook it for like eight hours. Literally, (laughs) Google it and follow the directions specifically. If it's online, if it's a recipe online and it has good reviews and good stars, they know what they're talking about. Okay? Good reviews, good stars. And a lot of reviews, too. I'll get off my soapbox. Um, anyway, so Americans... (laughs) She knows her turkey. (laughs) I know my turkey. So Americans consume... 46 million turkeys on Thanksgiving. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's such a sad statistic. 
I know. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But here's a happy one. Well, it kind of, it's interesting. Only male turkeys gobble. (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) I didn't either. And uh, one last little fun fact. Uh, The guy that wrote Jingle Bells. Um, it was originally published in 1857, and it was published with the intention of it being a Thanksgiving song, not a Christmas song. If you think about it, it has nothing to do with Christmas. It's just no. like a wintry kind of feel. Yeah. And I mean, up north, you know, they start having snow in like November Yeah, a lot of the time. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Which hurts to think about. It was like 80 degrees two days ago. Welcome to the South. (laughs) Yeah. I've been wearing a sweatshirt, shorts, and flip-flops for like two weeks now. (laughs) My body's confused. It's called ventilation. You got to keep your core warm, but you got to vent the legs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it. Yay! I know so much about Thanksgiving now. (laughs) Thanks, Emily. You're welcome. (laughs) (sighs) I'm actually, I'm, we got through that faster than I thought we would. So go go us. Yeah. It was an hour and 35 minutes. There was 12 pages of notes about Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? We're all a little smarter and we can all appreciate Thanksgiving a little more now. Yep, and we all know not to pour grease down their drains and not to deep fry frozen turkeys. Also, PSA, if your turkey is frozen, put that bitch in the fridge like three days before you need it, okay? Yep. yep. Those suckers take Maybe a long should... time to cook. <laughs> we should put on social media on like Monday <laughs> evening of thanksgiving week be like just reminder put your turkeys out (laughs) (laughs) thaw them (laughs) thaw them do you know how many times my mom has like forgotten to thaw the turkey and ends up putting the whole thing in like hot water which is safe to do within certain time parameters yeah um but then like continuously runs like hot water over it until it like thaws out enough to cook it Yeah. Bless your mom. <laughs> Bless my mom. I love her. I do too. She's pretty great. <laughs> I don't she's probably not listening to this on Thanksgiving, but she does listen to them all. Um hi, and mom it turns shit. out Hi mom. Turns out I never told her the St. Augustine story, so she kind of found out <laughs> through the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> She was so mad. What do you mean you never told me that you saw a ghost man? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I just guess I never told you. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess um, I should tell you all about our socials. Yeah. That's next, right? Yeah. Um, TikTok. Facebook group and page now. Oh. And 
Yeah, I forgot to tell you that, didn't I? I made a page. <laughs> I'm I'm very confused about the whole process, so I don't think I completely grasped grasped it yet. But uh, yeah, so we have a page and a group and a TikTok and an Instagram. Just look up ill-equipped history. You'll see our faces. Um, we have a Gmail, illequippedhistory at gmail.com. Email us with suggestions or comments. Um, we have a Patreon, and you get bonus content every month for $5 and a sticker. So that's awesome. We don't have any new subscribers yet, so we have no one else to shout out. Yeah, subscribe. It's just $5. And for the bonus content. Yeah, it's for the bonus content. The last bonus content was so unhinged. <laughs> it's almost like two hours of just our mania. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to play a quick little clip from this this month's bonus episode. So y'all know what kind of fuckery you're getting into. But here it is. She got proposition for feet pics. On, on Instagram or something and it's the most hilarious thing to me because of the three of us she has the most busted feet <laughs> and she had like half a toenail at the time <laughs> she did it right <laughs> she did <laughs> she got like 150 bucks <laughs> man you know what if people like that kind of shit I am in the wrong business <laughs> Yeah, she ended up having a block mode because it got really weird very quickly, which, yeah, duh, that, yeah, weirdos are gonna weirdo. Do but, they have, like, um, a only fans, but it's, like, only feet, and then no one has to see my face? <laughs> I'm sure. There, if, it's, it can be conceptualized, it exists. True. That's true. Wasn't that unhinged? Don't you want to hear more of it? <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse from there. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, don't have molasses shortages and practice safe kitchen practices on Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, Your turkey should be cooked to at least 165 degrees Fahrenheit and, um, watch the parade and the dog show. Yeah. Or the football games. Or all of it. And and spend time with the people you choose to be with on Thanksgiving, whatever that looks like. If yes. it's your family, if Absolutely. it's your friends, your chosen family, your dog, your cat, your bird, whatever. But have a very happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Love you. <laughs> Love you. And if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, just eat like a turkey sandwich and just be grateful. Have just like a fucking great <laughs> November 23rd. Okay. <laughs> every day, we should live every day like Thanksgiving. Maybe not with the calorie count, oh, but goodness. like with the mentality of Thanksgiving. Yes. Great. So points. be thankful every day and uh, eat pumpkin pie today. Yeah. Because you can. With lots and lots of whipped cream. That's a rule. Lots. Coating. That's the law. It. <laughs> the law the law of the land <laughs> okay bye okay bye